something else. Can you hear me now better? There we go. I can be pretty loud, though. But in Psalm 23, if you've ever memorized a scripture, if you've ever had a time where somebody has said, you know, this is a scripture to memorize. Or if you just start talking, the Lord is my shepherd. People, oh, I know that one. Okay, or you've seen it on a plaque, or you've seen it somewhere. Uh, it's, it's one of the songs that people ask, uh, or psalms especially, that people ask for when they're going through a difficult time. When people are in the hospital, they'll say, read the 23rd Psalm to me. And it's a song of, com- or a song of comfort. It's a psalm of comfort. And they've been read at so many different places as that, as who we are in Christ and who we have. But you know what? I have never preached from the 23rd Psalm because in some respects, we just always kind of take it the way that it is. Well, it's a song. There's a shepherd and there's some walking and sheep herding and... It's comforting, and it's, it's a great psalm, but I've never really dug into it and said, what is it that this psalm was actually trying to say? So I'm going to take something that you're very aware of today, and I want to talk about what it means and what, how it can become even more meaningful to us and how it can become a psalm that can be buried in our heart during difficult times and good times, how we can sing this song in our heart when things are going well and when things are not going well to know that God is with us. So Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So when we look at this psalm, I think what we have to understand is, I, I just want to double check because I don't want to overstep. I, I just uh, talked to a pastor, and he was given this illustration once about uh, how plants work and how leaves work with the stem and how the stem and where the vine and the branches. And then he had a botanist come up to him that was in the congregation and said, you don't know anything what you're talking about. Okay, uh, here's how actually how vines and branches work. And he says, good, I, I, I'm glad I learned that. I want you any shepherds here? Shepherds, no sheep herders. Good, okay. Here's what shepherds do. Okay, so you can check up. I mean, we do have the internet now, but um, it's good to, I mean, we're going to talk about shepherds, but when this was originally written, if, if we would have said, hey, shepherds here, half the congregation or more would have raised their hands because sheep herding was a big part of life in Israel. It was a big part of that culture. And so when he talks about the Lord is my shepherd, everybody knew what he meant. And I think we need to understand that too. What does it mean that the Lord is our shepherd? First of all, he says the word my. And if you look through this verse, it is probably one of the most intimate psalms. In the six verses, there are 17 I, my, or me. What he is trying to say is God is real to me. God is not just out there. Okay, there's kind of this theory, there's a God, but he's kind of far out there, and he doesn't really have anything to do with my life. David is saying right here, the Lord is my shepherd. 
Okay? And he's talking about the God of the universe, and he is saying that the God of the universe is intimate to me. He is someone that I can count on. He is someone like a shepherd. And everybody who sees a shepherd knows that the sheep herders would sleep right outside with the sheep. It could be a cold night. It didn't matter. They never left the sheep. They were there during every single time. And if you knew if you were a shepherd that you never left, there could be a wild animal attack at any time. And your job was to protect the sheep. And what he is saying, that intimacy, is God is there with us no matter what. And the other thing it, it kind of tells us is that we are sheep. Now, I have done some study on sheep. I don't claim to be an expert on sheep, but sheep are stupid. Okay? Uh, that's everything. That's kind of the summary of everything I've learned about shepherd or sheep is they don't know what to do. They need to be directed at every time or they'll get lost and they'll die. All right? So that's who we are in this thing. We're defenseless. We need constant direction to find food. Sheep will not find food unless you direct them where the food is. Okay? They will go off and they will wander off a cliff because they're just wandering. And I think that really does represent most of us because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know where everything's going. And we need direction. Now, we don't feel like sheep. We think that we own everything. We've got it all under control. But you know what? We don't. We are in need of direction. Another tendency about sheep, I think which is very accurate of us, is that the drifting off component. Now you may say, I'm drifting off right now. I exactly know what you're talking about, Pastor. All right? But the tendency to drift off on our own, in fact, Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned away, turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He's saying that we like sheep have gone astray. Have you ever done something and said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go on a diet, and then you drive by your favorite restaurant and that diet just goes astray? All right? Or I'm going to study really hard, then your friend says, we're doing this, studying goes away. Or I'm going to really get in touch with God today, and all of a sudden the distractions of this world, or I'm not going to live that way anymore, I'm not going to live that lifestyle that I had of addiction, I'm not going to live that lifestyle and all of a sudden you get drawn astray. And what this is saying is that we have a God in heaven that understands that we like to go astray, and he is there with us to keep us and keep us on the right track. He's not up there just going, ooh, I hope they get it right. He's down with us, helping us every step of the way. Now the next thing is kind of important. It just says, I shall not want. What does that mean? Because... If you know, one of the first things that we say as a kid is, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want that. You know what we do as adults? We just want bigger and more expensive things. We drive by the car lot, and we say, I want that. On your way out, you've got a lot of wants you can go for. You got We drive right by the boats on the way out, okay? And I, I point want, okay? Then you get to drive by Bemidji Sports Center, then the four-wheelers and the snowmobiles, and guess what? Want, okay? You know, there's a lot of wants that we can have. Then you can just drive right to Target. We have a very want-filled area over here. That's not what he's talking about. He's not saying you'll never have any want. He is saying you shall never have anything that is not fulfilled in your life. In other words, what you need, God will provide for you. He is using that term in that respect, that there's never going to be a time where you say, you know what, I don't know 
what tomorrow is going to bring, and I'm not sure I'm going to be provided for. God has it all under control. You will never face a situation. Now, you may go through tough times. You may go through um, difficult times where you, you don't have everything that you, you think that you need, but God is always there for you to provide for you. Okay? And we know that he is with us all the time. And so give us, there's some specific examples of what we shall not want. First of all, it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, who is, if you've seen pictures of Israel and the Holy Land, what do you normally see in Israel and the Holy Land? Desert and sand. Okay? Now, if you say, He brings me to green grass, walk out the door and there's green grass. Okay? But if you're in Israel at this time, you have to walk to find the green pastures. And the other thing is hard, he, he finds a lake for me. Okay, again, in northern Minnesota, we have lakes. But you have to understand, in this time period, what he's talking about, to find something that is diff- difficult, it's basically like saying, find a warm spot in January in northern Minnesota. All right? He says that God will find that spot for you. He will find what you need. He will bring you to the green pasture and the still water. He will, sheep could not find these on their own. And guess what? We can't find what we need on our own. You may think, I've got it all covered. I'm going to college, or I'm, go, I'm doing this, or I've got all these talents. You know what? We can't do it on our own. We need an infinite God that can see everything. And he can lead us in the right direction. He can put us in the place that we need to be. And he can see everything. You don't know what's over the hill. He does know what's over that hill. He knows what tomorrow. He knows what next year. He knows what everything's going to happen. And he's going to lead us to the right spot. And he also, the the concept here of still waters. He's not going to bring us to something that's difficult. He's going to bring us to the things that we need. He'll bring us to times of rest. And it's important to understand that that he is there for us. Just like he led the Israelites out of Egypt, just like he led his church, just like he led Jesus, he is going to lead us in every step of the way. And not only that, he's going to work on our soul, our inner being. He's not just going to provide for us on the physical needs. He's going to provide for us in our soul. He is going to restore our soul and lead us on paths of righteousness. And we talked about this last week, too. The concept is, first of all, that he works on our soul, and he works on stilling our soul. What is the biggest thing that we worry about? We wake up in the middle of the night. I forgot to do something. Did I forget to do this? What, what's tomorrow going to bring? I don't know what my job's going to be like. I have a new job. I have a new relationship. I have new this. Where does our peace come from? Not from sitting up all night and worrying. I've tried that. It doesn't work. Anybody else tried that and it doesn't work? And trust me, it's just, you can sit up and worry all night and it does you absolutely no good. When you need a restoration of your soul, the only hope we have is in God. And he restores our soul. And, be, and one of the reasons he does that and how he does is he leads us in paths of righteousness. In other words, he is going to lead you to do the right thing. He is going to lead you to stay away from danger. We talked about this last night. Lead me not into temptation, the Lord's Prayer says but deliver me from evil. That God, if we allow him, will keep us from bad things that we shouldn't have to deal with. Now, there's going to be plenty of bad things in this life that we're going to have to confront. Okay? There's going to be plenty of temptation, but we can ask God, keep me away from things. And you know what one of the things he says? Listen to the commandments that I've given you. When I say that this is 
for this and this is for that, and you shouldn't lie, gossip, steal, you know, have sex outside of marriage, things like that. He's not doing it to take away our fun. He wants to lead us on the path of righteousness and restore our soul. He wants us to have the best life. He wants us to have peace in our life, and that happens when we follow him. When we drift off on our own like sheep, what do we do? We get to the cliff, we fall off cliffs, we, we break our legs, we do all kinds of stuff, and we wonder, why did this happen? How did God ever let that happen? And God's like, I've been trying to get you over here the whole time. Listen to me. It's when we wander off that we lose our way. And he does this because he cares for us as his own namesake. He has said that he cares for us completely. And the, and the next thing he talks about in verse 4, he keeps going. He says, I am with you through the valley of the shadow of death, and I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So what is the valley of the shadow of death? Well, it literally may be death. With John gave that testimony today. The young lady came up to him, and she was at the edge of death. And this is the reason a lot of people like to read this when they're, when they're actually, when you're in a room and someone's dying, they want to hear this, because you know that when we are at the point of death, God doesn't leave. He's even more present. He never leaves us. You could be in the worst situation. You say, where is God? He is right there with you. There is nothing. There is no crisis. There is no wilderness. There is no problem. There is no job. There is no relationship where God is not present. The shadow of death may seem over you. The crisis may seem overwhelming. The darkness may seem overwhelming to you. You may have come today and it just seems overwhelming. You can't even know. You just can't even face the next day. God is with you. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we walk through this life. And you know what? It's not perfect. It's not perfect. I was just, I was in Myanmar recently, and all of a sudden I saw this last week that there's an earthquake where I was. Okay? And you don't know, we don't know. All of a sudden, buildings that I saw have fallen down now. And things... We don't know what's going on in this world. We can't see everything, but God is there. I got a note from our missionary that said we were in one of the scariest buildings ever built, and God took care of us. He says, and this is from the Sullivans who are there, um, and they said, but not only that, he says the Buddhist temple took quite a hit, and we're not sad about that. So, you know, it's really interesting that God is there no matter what. God is there with us no matter what happens. No matter if it's the worst storm or if it's the worst accident or something that can happen. Even to death, God never leaves us. And there, we have a whole concept within our missionaries right now. It's called the Live Dead movement. And what we are doing, and one of my classmates from North Central is a big part of this. And these are missionaries who are going over to Muslim countries. And they are saying, we are already dead. You can't kill us. In other words, we are going to allow God to use us in these countries. And if it leads to our death, so be it. We are going to be missionaries for God. You know what? Every one of God's or Jesus' disciples was killed for his faith, except for John. Did God abandon them? No. They were used miraculously for him. There's not a point. There's no downside with God is what I'm trying to say. There is no point where God says, well, we blew that one. That person died. 
No, he says, I am with you always. We do not have to fear evil. God is there and active with us all the time. There is evil all around us. We, I think we all sense it. You know, with what we're talking about, that they're evil, they're evil people. They're this, it says, lead me not into temptation. Again, we go back to the Lord's Prayer. But deliver us from evil or the evil one. There's evil in our world. There are people doing incredibly evil things. We see again with bombings after bombings. Again, when I fly through these airports, when I've been on missions trips, I see the fact that airports, small airports, and I think about being there, have been blown up by terrorists. And you say, there's evil out there. And what is it to protect us from this evil? What is to keep the evil back? And it's simply this, and I've never actually studied this as hard. It says, your rod and your staff are with me. Now, what is the rod and the staff? Well, first of all, the rod, I did a little study on this, is a big stick that's used to beat off animals and, and people that are going after the sheep. So think of God standing next to you, and the, and the enemy wants to come up to you, and God has a big old stick and just whacks him in the head. That helps me. Okay, that makes me feel good. I'm, there's some evil. God, get the stick, whack him. And don't smile too much. Like, God's going to smack you in the head. Trust me. He's got a rod. Okay? He does. He has a rod. And, the, and so God has a, there's a stick. And everybody knew this. said, ooh, did he just say his rod? You know, I always thought this was rod and reel. You know, like in that kind of rod and reel. But no, this is rod like that. He says, you are, your staff is with me also. The staff was used to pull the sheep into safety. It had the hook on it. It would pull the sheep back to where we're supposed to be. So we know that when we're drifting off into evil and you feel a little pull on you, that's God pulling you back like this. You know, you ever see like a big hook? He's like, no, John, come back, come back. If you allow him to, his Holy Spirit is working in you and pulling you back, pulling you back. And he's beating off. Just think about this image in your head. It'll help you. He's beating off evil, but we keep going towards it. So he's pulling us off and beating on the evil one at the same time. And what also changes in this verse, and the first thing I noticed when I really looked at it, see what he does here in verse 4? He says, he makes me lie down. He leads me in verse 3. In, the Lord is my shepherd. And all of a sudden he starts to say, I will fear no evil. And look at the second part. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He starts to talk directly to God. Because you know what? When we're in the most difficult times, God is the most intimate with us. God is there for us. He is right there with us. And we feel his presence if we allow him. If we open up our hearts to him, he is intimate. So he changes right here. It's more personal. He is with us. And don't forget, he's armed. Okay? We have an armed escort at all times. And it is the God, the maker of all, is with us at every single moment. And we should feel the intimacy. We're walking into a situation we don't know. Guess what? You are never alone. God is with you. And God continues to turn trouble into triumph. Not only does he deal with a troubled situation, he turns it into a triumphant situation. He does this by verse 5. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Now, again, it's, it's so interesting. It's like, I, I don't want oil on my head. Okay? We think of like somebody taking some, you know, 10W30 and dumping it on our head and saying, Well, thanks, God. Appreciate that. Now I'll go home. 
No. Again, this is something that would have been very exciting. He anoints your head with oil, and our cup overflows. What this is saying is that God has set a banquet for us and set a meal for us that is beyond comprehension. When you say this feast prepares a table in the presence of man, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. It says that God is there. The cup overflows says he has unlimited resources. You can never run out of God. I remember this. One of, the, one of the biggest things, this may not seem like a big deal, but when I used to work at Hardee's back in a while ago, um, when I was young, and we were the mo- one of the most popular restaurants in town. You know why we were one of the most popular restaurants? We were the only one in town that offered free refills on your, on your pop. Okay, every other restaurant, for you that are younger, like, there was a time when you didn't get free refills on your pop? It's true. I'm serious. It happened. Can anybody remember that? I remember you'd go, we'd go like Dave's Pizza, and you'd get that pop, and you'd have to nurse that thing. Because you weren't sure. You know, you had to make it last. It wasn't like the waitress would come up to you, can I refill that for you? No, nobody refilled it for you. You want to pay for it again. But we were popular because we had unlimited refills. Okay? And that made us, that was a big deal. And what God is trying to say right here is, he's got unlimited refills. It's not like, well, I blessed Turkey today. Sorry, northern Minnesota, I'm, I'm full. You, you're going to have to hold on to what I gave you. He has unlimited refills for us. His, our, his cup overflows. He sets a table for us in triumph. And not only does he do that, he does it in the presence of our enemies. He has defeated our enemies. In other words, even our enemies are looking on, and he is saying, I'm taking care of my people. Right in the presence of your enemies, you are taken care of. God's triumph. And lastly, he just leaves us with this. He says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I should dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I have heard it said that surely goodness and mercy are three angels. Have you ever heard this before? Has anybody ever told you that? Three angels, surely goodness. Okay, that's an old one. Um, it's, it's not true. That's not really what's going on here. Um, but surely goodness and mercy is saying that someone, God is with us 100% of the time. And to eat with somebody, coming back to verse 5, to eat with somebody at this time was to have a bond with somebody. If you sat down at a table with somebody, you made a bond with them. And what God is saying, I have made a bond with you, and you shall be with me, and I shall be with you for the rest of your life in every situation. And if we think back to 1 Corinthians eleven twenty five, it says, In the same way, also he took the cup, this is Jesus, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Then when, when Jesus ate with his disciples, he is saying, I'm making a bond with you. So what Jesus is saying to us, he has a bond with us, and it lasts forever. And goodness and mercy are going to be with us. This is the love and care of God will be with us forever and ever. It says, all the days of my life, and then it also says, in the house of the Lord forever. You know when this guarantee ends? Never. You ever bought anything and it breaks the day after the warranty? Oh my goodness. You buy a car, 40,000 mile warranty, 40,150 transmission, boom. All right? There is no end to God. There is no end. All the days of my life, every single day, 
Not just the good days. Not just the days when I'm feeling good. God is with us and his goodness and mercy are with us always. And I've never studied this word follow. Now, if someone is following you, you usually call the cops, right? And this term right here is actually that term, a vigorous following where God is chasing us with goodness and mercy. All right, he is running around going, I've got goodness for you. Don't run away. And what we usually do run away. I got mercy for you. But God is vigorously chasing us with this. He's following us and wanting to give us goodness and mercy and love and kindness. He wants to give it to us, and he's not going to let us go. He's going to keep chasing us until we take it. Here's some goodness. Here's some mercy. Uh, okay. And God's just chasing around. I mean, the image is not of God as a distant God up in heaven going, when you do everything correctly and you genuflect at the right time and you speak the prayer that I've told you to speak, then I will listen. No, this is God. It talks about him pursuing us, wanting to do great and mighty things in our lives. Give us goodness and mercy. And there is all the days, there is no misses, forever, even death. If you look at Romans 8, 38 through 39, it says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is not one thing that, God, that can separate us. There's not one event. There's not death. There's not sickness. There's not relationship. There's not financial difficulty. Nothing can separate us from God. He is with us forever. Jordan, if you'd come forward. I want you to stand with me right now. We're going to have our prayer ministers come forward. If you're with us today, and what I just preached about was, was God's love, God's being a shepherd for us, and God chasing us with goodness and mercy. And I would tell you this today, that if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never made him the master of your life, you've never turned your life over to you, he has been pursuing you because he wants to give you something. He wants to give you something great. He wants to give you his goodness and his mercy. He wants to forgive you your sins. He wants to take you into his, his realm. He wants to make you the person that you're supposed to be. He wants to protect you from the evil one. He wants to guide you. He wants to provide for you. All you have to do is accept him. All you have to do is say, God, thank you. I want to confess my sins to you and be forgiven, and I want to be a follower of you. I want you to be my shepherd because you know more than I do. You are the God of the universe. You understand what is going on. If you are here today and you want to make that commitment, I just want you to come and talk to one of our prayer ministers after the service and talk to them about that. But for everybody else that's here, John talked about this earlier. We believe in a God that does great and mighty things through prayer. We do not want to let one person leave our church building without being prayed for. If you want to be anointed with oil, like the Bible says, we believe in a God that does great and mighty things. I just told you about a God that is our shepherd, a God that wants to take care of our needs, a God that wants to heal, a God that wants to do great things. We need to call upon him and pray to him. And so if you're here, come and talk to one of our prayer ministers. But for everybody else, I want to challenge you. Challenge you 
to really say, I'm going to let God be my guide. I'm going to let him be my shepherd. I'm not just going to say this, but I want to stay close to the shepherd. I want to have his guidance. I want to have his protection. I want to have what he has for me in my life. I want to live a life of righteousness because it's the best life I can live. I want to have the most full life in this world. And I want to be with him forever and ever at his table.